Hello and welcome to this Investment Themes for 2023 podcast sponsored by PSG Wealth. Last year was truly a reality check for many investors. Um, investment themes that uh, remained intact for decades quickly unraveled in 2022, forcing investors and numerous wealth managers to ditch traditionally considered safe haven assets uh, such as US bonds and expensive growth shares. I'm Udiwa Gavaza, writer with the Business Day and Financial Mail, and I'll be your host for this important and fascinating conversation. Joining me today is Adrian Pascu, is uh, the Chief Investment Officer over at PSG Wealth, who says that while some of these themes should run out of steam this year, he believes others will start to raise their heads. As always, Adrian, greetings to you for the first time in 2023. Yeah, it's it's good to be to be back with you. Well, thank you very much for having me, and and welcome to everybody who's listening in. Thank you, as always, you know, for taking time to share your thoughts with us. And I think a good place for us to start is around the fact that it is the start of 2023, which means we're looking in the rearview mirror right now. And in your view, what events in uh, 2022 do you believe gave investors a reality check just around the state of the world, the state of the market, and how they should be allocating capital? You know, 2022 was a was a very interesting year, unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons. Um, I think we started off the year actually reasonably well, and then unfortunately, uh, we we had the the Russia Ukraine tensions popping up. At the same time, we had interest rates moving higher in, in reaction to high inflation prints coming out. Um, and then obviously, I mean, it's something that we spoke of at length during the course of last year is anticipated tougher time for tech stocks or growth stocks, high duration stocks, however you describe them. Anything really that was pricing in significant growth to to come in the foreseeable future. And fortunately, as interest rates move higher, the cost of capital increases, inflation obviously crunches down on, on a lot of the costs of these firms and that eats into profit margins. And those are the fears that really played into the minds of, of equity investors. But um, I mean, the, the big story, I think, uh, in addition to, to equities, which is not really unusual what we saw last year, we often see markets sell down by you know drawdowns of 20 or 30%. But where we did take some pain, I think very few investors anticipated this was in the US bond market. So that bull market lasted for 40 years. So I think for many investors, it was just um, accepted that should equities find it very tough to perform, the US safe haven asset of, of US um, government bonds would, would just come to, to the fray and, and support them. But in reality, what then happened is we saw uh, world equity market sell, sell down by 18%. And as I say, you would have expected uh, bonds to do quite well to support you. But what happened is you know, global bonds sold off by 17%. So there was very little support. And those are really the two key ones. Um, because if your equities aren't performing and your bonds aren't protecting, you're going to be in for a very tough year, which is exactly what, what we had. But I mean, those are the, the more conventional asset classes. We, we saw some pain in some of the others as well. So, I mean, some of the more speculative things that come to mind would be in the crypto markets. I mean, the, the NASDAQ crypto index was down uh, well in excess of 60% last year. So those are the things that sort of gave a wake up to to investors to say, you know, US bond markets can struggle, 
crypto assets can struggle significantly. So a lot of the things that we've been, been warning about and, and been skeptical on um, did come home to, to roost. Uh, now, Adrian, with everything that you're saying, I think we spoke quite at length, you know, around a number of the issues that you just mentioned. And I think this year it will be interesting to see how some of those themes um, evolve over time of particular interest to me as someone who's interested in technology, because you mentioned just now how, you know, technology stocks had, uh, you know, particularly been impacted as if um, interest rates coming back down will do anything to help to improve valuations in that particular sector. But on your end, which themes do you believe ran out of steam in 2022? Well, I think one of the key ones, I think, is where quite a few investors, although not all, felt like given all the ESG pressures, um, there's, you, you can't any longer support dirty energy, fossil fuels, that kind of thing. And there should be a clear transition into cleaner energy. And, and those facts remain important. Um, those are very important things to keep in mind and to ensure that we've got a sustainable energy mix. But I think what last year did with the energy crisis was uh, people came to grips with the fact that you've got to be realistic as to how you do this transition in a responsible way. Um, you can't just at the flip of the switch uh, go from fossil fuels to clean energy. You've, there's a transition that needs to take place and you need to plan carefully so that you can make sure that, that the energy that you do have is sustainable and reliable. Um, and, and maybe as a proxy for that, we, you could see that theme turn and that switch go on uh, for investors. Whereas if you look at something like Exxon, for example, of course they benefited from higher oil prices, but the stock ended up nearly 70% for the year with something that could be a proxy for, for clean energy. Something like Tesla was down 70% for the year. And it just goes to show that how quickly investors turned around their expectations of, of how these firms should behave and how you can allocate capital. The other one that ran out of steam, probably for a while, I think, is, is speculative assets. So during the preceding cycle, we've seen lower interest rates, a lot of fiscal support, a lot of retail investors um, entering the fray with easy money. And that really led to a, a rise in speculative assets, in particular crypto. And in an environment where there is a lot tougher conditions, consumers are under the pump, businesses are under the pump, interest rates are higher, people are struggling to afford mortgages, to service debt, etc. It's very difficult to see how they will find the capital to support speculative assets any longer. And uh, similar to Tesla, actually, we saw crypto also down around 70% for the year, just short of that, if you look at the NASDAQ uh, crypto uh, index. So so that one came through. And then I, I think the other one that will also will also play into into the year and we've already seen the start of that um, last year was the whole steam around good, good business equals good investment. You know, you'll recall from an earlier discussion, you said, you know, even good businesses can be too expensive. And when you invest in them, the outcome can be quite poor, given that you just bought them simply too high. And I think investors are a lot more open to um, looking at things fundamentally and saying, we'd love to own this business, but it's simply just too expensive. We Previously, I don't think that penny dropped. I think people were quite willing to continue to prop up prices because just purely these are good businesses and they, they'll survive. And and lastly, again, I mentioned this in my previous response, but U.S. government bonds, in particular, the, the theme that, that says U.S. government bonds um, are, are risk-free. 
and that's a risk-free asset class. And if we ever wanted to see illustration that that's definitely not the case, then last year provided us with that clear example as to how bonds can be under pressure. I mean, the, the global index was up, uh, was down 18%. As I said, you would expect these bonds to support you. They didn't. They were down to very, very similar levels and, and lend very little support to a multi-asset portfolio. So those four would be, for me, the ones that uh, have been entrenched for a while and, and came to an abrupt end uh, last year. It will be interesting to see how um, some of those themes develop over time, particularly that last one around uh, bonds. Um, I think we did have um, we did have a conversation about the fact that your bonds had traditionally been seen as where you retreat to, but they hadn't uh, provided the cover or safety that they traditionally do in previous years. Uh, very keen to see how that particular theme evolves over time. And I think that helps us to get to a point where now that we understand, uh, at least in your view, things that um, the themes uh, that you believe uh, ran out of steam last year, what investment themes um, investors can expect in this particular year? Yeah, I think this year, and I would expect to be a bit of a twilight year because there's certain things that we, we believe around commodity prices, U.S. equities, U.S. bonds, the dollar, gold. In most of those cases, especially the dollar, gold, U.S. bonds, even after the sun-off, and U.S. equities after the sun-off, we still think they remain quite expensive. But why I say I think we're in for a twilight year is we've got this looming recession. And in a recession time, typically what we see is investors fleeing to U.S. assets. And, and U.S. equities might actually do a much better than what fundamentals would uh, suggest because they are expensive, as I mentioned. And the same could be said for U.S. bonds, uh, the dollar and gold. So, I mean, if you look at commodities as well, uh, our longer term thinking is that there's been structural underinvestment in that space, there's diminishing inventories, um, and that would support higher prices. But at the same time, a recession would mean that there's lower demand for, for further growth, which could put pressure on those prices. So it's going to be really interesting how in different investors navigate this time. Um, I think you will get a camp um, of investors who would um, try to play the recession, but then obviously you run the risk being caught out as those assets um, come under pressure after the shock in the economy. Other investors might think they would rather want to, to think long term and, and ride the year through, but that could put your results under a lot of pressure. For us, what we would like to do is to, to look at the fundamentals, but be very practical in terms of how we construct the portfolio and be aware of the risks that are there um, and, and consider how investment sentiment would play into our, into our process and into valuations. But long story short, given that we're going through this twilight period and this, the long-term story and the, 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 the 2023 story, which seems to be at odds with one another, and how difficult it is for investors to do transition. I think we can expect more uncertainty and more uncertainty always equals more volatility. So so that would be my my key themes for, for the year. The key being volatility, but the underlying themes around the specific asset classes, commodities um, and US assets, the dollar and gold. 
Adrian, maybe just as a quick follow-up to what you've just said, because one of the things that becomes quite clear just listening to you uh, today is the fact that investors, you know, a lot of your common notions uh, for investors have been challenged over the last year and possibly preceding that, you know, through COVID, um, especially when you look at some of these asset classes, gold, the dollar, bonds, etc. I think gold has done relatively okay. The U.S. dollar has been, you know, quite strong. Bonds have, you know, not so good. Do you think from a long-term point of view that um, we might see, especially as people are thinking about how to structure their portfolios, is there at the moment, are we at a moment where people are maybe trying to redefine what's considered safe haven or non-safe haven or does some of the volatility that we've seen is that just part of that normal you know market cycle where things do go down periodically yeah a really good question thank you i think i think what's happening what you're touching on for me is it's not so much um specifically thinking about you know, safe haven assets in particular. Safe haven assets just means that it's a risk management tool. You could use those assets to offset risk in other areas. So for me, it's more around the risk management approach and, and how I think investors will be pushed to to be a little bit more uh, proactive in how they manage risk for their portfolios because the traditional measures that could help you won't necessarily be as effective as what they used to be. So it would be, I think, a good use of your time to to think about if these more conventional risk mitigation tools like, like gold, like the dollar, like US bonds are, are not as effective as you would think, which other tools are you using to, to offset some risk? You know, you, you might be more focused on, on valuations, which is definitely what we're trying to do is to, to build in more margin of safety. Um, but also being potentially more active in, in the space and be really involved with the portfolios. Um, I don't think investors have the luxury of just taking a long-term view and, and writing it out. I think you've got to be a little bit more pragmatic, as I mentioned, in terms of how you construct your portfolio and how you think about risk. Various things that, that you could consider doing to, to manage the risk down. But I think for many investors, they've, I wouldn't say maybe lazy is a bit of a, a harsh mood, but they've definitely become um, accustomed to only using a, a few techniques, and, and those are the ones probably at risk at the moment. So definitely a more time to be allocated to think about how you, how you manage risk in your portfolio. All right. I think, uh, I think that gives us you know, quite, a, quite a good good one. And I like the fact that uh, you, know, you are delineating or at least distinguishing between safe haven assets versus how... Uh, people approach um, that aspect of risk when it comes to, you know, uh, constructing and then uh, making sure that the portfolio is protected. And I think uh, that uh, moves us, you know, uh, to a point where we can nicely end off today's conversation. And that's just around which themes do you think are going to gain prominence in 2023. We've done, you know, the reflection on 2022. We've done, you know, what ran out of steam and uh, what type of themes people can expect this year. But I I guess now it's more a question of uh, are there any things that might crop up that hadn't necessarily been part of the conversation up to this point? 
Yeah, I think what we're likely to see uh, this year is maybe some of the, the previous ones that I've mentioned that um, that came to end for acceleration of some of those themes around investors um, being more value orientated. I, I still think that even though we've seen a reversal between value and growth styles, I think the value style still has some catching up to do. So I think that's a, that's a theme that will gain further prominence into the year. But I think we need to keep in mind that that this is new territory for most developed market managers um, out there. They they really haven't navigated a period where there's high inflation and high interest rates before, at least not to the extent that we see now, unless you were managing money in the late 70s. Um, and, and we can see that they are definitely struggling. We're in South Africa, I think we're quite fortunate. And we saw inflation numbers of 7% in 2016, and we, and we see it a lot more often. And that's the one benefit that emerging market managers have is that they, they've been tested on this level before, and they've, they've fought off these type of challenges before, where I think in the developed market space, the guys are still sort of getting a bit more acquainted with this type of environment. Um, as I mentioned, that, that plays back into the, the risk management approach, because the, the more traditional methods that that we used will just not be as effective. And it goes beyond just factors and styles. Um, I think you're going to have to be a lot more active in your approach um, and how you time your decisions matters. Um, you can't afford just to think too short term because then the long-term narrative is going to catch you off guard. You probably can't uh, afford just to focus on the long-term narrative either because it's going to be a very volatile and tough period over the short term. So you must think about how you can how you can transition a portfolio in a sensible way um, without getting yourself into a knot where you're trying to time markets. And and that's a very, very difficult thing to, to try and achieve. And I think being nimble and flexible and proactive and pragmatic, those are going to be the, the key words uh, for me, so and and that really speaks very directly into the corner of active management. So I mean, we use passive strategies. It's not like I'm I'm just uh, purely punting active massive active management, but I do honestly think that active managers are much better poised um, to to navigate this period as well as mandates that have a bit more flexibility in how they approach things. So we spoke previously around sixty forty mandates um, that have just as a as a manner of mandate fixed allocations to 60% equity and 40% bonds. I think those kind of products are dead in the water at the moment. You've got to be a lot more um, considered in your approach as to, as to how you build a portfolio and manage those risks that I've mentioned. So that's been it, you know, very fascinating conversation around investment themes for 2023. Uh, starting off, just looking back at the reality that uh, investors faced in uh, 2022, uh, the things that uh, had taken hold or continued to take hold um, last year, but also at the same time, Adrian highlighting some of the things that actually ran out of steam or came to an end last year. Ending off talking about uh, the fact that uh, in this particular environment, given all the volatility, given how you approach the risk factor um, when structuring your portfolio. He says that uh, right now is probably a really good time for uh, some of the more active investors because he says words like nimble and flexible are likely going to be big things in this year because you need to be actively managing that portfolio to weather this current market and current environment. And then I think the last thing too 
you know to just note uh, from everything that uh, Adrian is talking about is just the fact that we continue to be in a place where you have uh, I believe we had this conversation last year where as investors you continue to fight some of that uh, short-term pressure um, versus thinking in the long term and how uh, you're going to be structuring those portfolios for wealth creation going forward so that's been it adrian thank you so much for being with us today thank you Medu. i really appreciate it it's been good catching up with you in the new year and that brings us to the end of uh, this podcast about um investment themes for 2023 uh, sponsored by PSG Wealth. I've been your host, Muriwa Gavaza, a writer with the Business Day and Financial Mail. Remember that you can subscribe for free episodes on iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Cast, or wherever you choose to get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.